Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Theater Podcast. I'm Alan Seals, and today's guest, Eric Sorakian, continues our takeover from The Kite Runner on Broadway. Gosh, an amazing show, an amazing story. Again, if you haven't seen this, you've got to go see it. It sheds so much light on on regions of the world and, and things that everybody needs to know about. Eric is such an amazing dude as well. He's a shy kid who found his home on the stage, which is a story we hear a lot of. He found his tribe and, and uh, his chosen family. He's already had this amazing experience, both in New York and in London's West End, and his career is just, just taking off. This is his Broadway debut. He went both here in the States to Yale and in London in the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Something he said resonated with me. He said he called Yale an education, but the Royal Academy acting training. So one was an education, one was training. Two different approaches to the craft I'll let him tell it because I'm about to <laughs> I'm about to butcher the story. But Eric, if you're listening, thank you for sharing an amazing, amazing time. And uh, the vulnerability he has to have on stage every night is admirable. And we talk about how to come back from that, how to come back, go to that character, go to that dark place, and then come back and be Eric again. You have to. You have to let it go. So cannot wait to share this episode with you. Find me online, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Is there anywhere else? Facebook? Yeah, I'm still on Facebook. And <laughs> follow, give a like, give a rating, give a review. Five stars, please. That's what the Uber drivers say, right? I don't know. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Eric Sarakian. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here you go. One, two, three. Today's guest is making his Broadway debut in The Kite Runner on Broadway, but he's an incredibly well-versed actor out of London with credits including The Jungle on the West End, Twelfth Night, The Comedy of Errors, and 
Pericles at the Shakespeare Globe. You can also find him in the upcoming Netflix film Havoc. Eric Sarakian, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Hi, Alan. Thank you so much for having me. Those name Pericles. That's it's the those old Greek names that always get me. Uh, I, <laughs> I instead of Socrates, I always in my head I'm like Socrates. Nope, nope. Got to get it. Got to get you it. Got right. it. <laughs> so you went to uh, you actually studied at Yale and trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, which are two credits that uh, definitely I want to cover because it's just incredible. <clears throat> but as a young lad, where did you first decide that this was your path or did you fall into it or was it a conscious choice? Um, uh, several things I think contributed to this. I, I was an only child, um, I'm very shy. And so when my parents put me in my first acting class, which was like an acting class for kids, I was around four years old. It was like the best thing ever. I, I, I was, you know, got, surrounded by other kids, which I, which was kind of rare for me. And I got to express myself in a way, which as a shy kid was completely new and different. I think they say a lot of, a lot of, uh, actors are shy. I think this is true. They seem, they tend to seem extroverted and larger than life, uh, when you meet them at parties, but secretly deep down, I think a lot of them started as very shy kids. Um, so, uh, I did, you know, my first, kind of community theater production when I was six and caught the bug um, that way. Another thing that happened in my life, which was a huge blessing, was I had a great aunt and uncle in London um, who we used to visit. And uh, my parents, starting when I was really young, maybe like eight, would even put me on a plane sometimes and send me off to London on my own to visit wow. for a couple of weeks and, and then come back. Um, when you were eight? Yeah, during my school vacations. So, and they introduced me to the theater in London, starting with musicals and working up to plays. And, and I just completely um, fell in love. So London, I guess, was was the place where I, I really thought, this is, this is it. This is what I have to do. Which is why I always wanted to go back there, which is why. Yeah, you had this multi multicultural experience to kind of get... Uh, the Americanized version and the uh, we'll call it the classic version because it's it's interesting to me because when I talk to people on the on the West End uh, the the culture out there the attitude towards the arts is is so it's different in that and tell me if you experience the same thing but I was going to say it's different in that here in the in the states it feels like uh, everyone's treated more like a celebrity whereas in the UK and London, out there in Europe, everyone it's treated more like a necessity. Does that make sense? You mean um, acting and theater? Yeah, acting because it, it's it's like part of life. You just go out to the theater, whereas in the states, it's you know it, it's how many followers you've got on Instagram and what headlines you're making. Whereas in the in the UK, the West End, it's just this is what we have to do. This is storytelling. This is art. Yeah, unfortunately, recently I think. Um, London's West End is coming to resemble Broadway more and more in that way. Um, I mean, what you're saying certainly was very true 10 years ago and hopefully will stay true. Um, I just see a trend of the, the celebrity thing happening now a little bit over there as well. Well, you don't have 
uh, a British accent. So uh, I assume grew up, at least grew up, if not were born in America. So um, are you, what's your what's your heritage now? Because I know that you you do have some uh, some heritage um, and from a family perspective that that uh, is from Afghanistan and whatnot, right? Um, no, my family is Armenian, actually. Oh, Armenian. Yeah. Okay. So um, same part of the world, but I had to do a lot of research on the Afghanistan side of things to learn about that culture because it was it was very new to me. So, but you are you um, were you born in America and then like I guess. Okay, I'm I'm asking five million questions at once right now because <laughs> I have so much I want to ask you about. Uh, okay, so start out. Okay, talk about the Armenian heritage. So yeah, I'm a first generation American, but I'm also 100% Armenian on both sides. Um, my parents, who are both Armenian, met in the Boston area when they were students, and yeah, I, I'm very very close to that culture and that language. It was my first language when I was growing up. So I, I learned English when I went to school, when I was around five. And uh, yeah, it's a very important part of who I am. We, we are ve- we're a small tribe, the Armenians, but we're very, very proud. And um, I would say very accomplished for being a, a small in numbers. Um, Kim Kardashian is who often comes to mind, but we have lots of amazing artists and innovators and um, leaders all around the world. Okay, so Armenian. Then it it sounds like uh, that that your your parents met in Boston when they were going to uh, going to school, and um, I guess when they were putting you in in performing in classes and whatnot when you were four, and then you were starting to do theater and whatnot. Did they ever? Uh, did they always support that side of you or were they more um, academic focused? Were they always more like, well, always get a fallback or, you know, what was, well, what I, was sort of that upbringing? I had a really, I was really blessed as a kid and I had a really amazing um, childhood because my parents uh, let me try all kinds of things. So the acting class was like one of a dozen things maybe that I got to try, like playing the violin, playing soccer, um, camp, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh which was it was such a blessing because I got I got to really find out what it is that I like. I didn't um, I left no stone unturned, and sports definitely wasn't it. Um, I wasn't very good at that, and I was very good at school. Um, and I made I made good grades, but uh, this this is the thing that I loved more than anything. And in the beginning, of course, being immigrant parents from a particular culture and a particular mindset in the beginning of course it was a little bit like what really is that are you sure that's what you want to do um which uh is not unlike a conversation that happens between amir and baba in our play where Mm -hmm. Amir says i want to be a writer and he and baba says come on get a real job be a lawyer be a doctor whatever um so of course those conversations happened and it was you know it was around high school maybe when i was feeling really serious about it and, and talking like this is something I want to do. And I have to say I was really, really um, blessed to have parents who ultimately were very supportive because uh, they saw how much I loved it. I think after a certain point, maybe in college, they, they saw that I was actually not terrible at it. Um, and uh, yeah, combina- and, and they, they really enjoy it. They love the arts. They love 
music and theater and it's a big part of um, their life anyway so I think all of those factors came together um, for them to, to get behind it and get really excited and then at Yale did you did you study performing theater drama at Yale specifically well, or was it something it's, different it's um it was very the theater major was very academic I, I was an English major and theater studies double major the acting and the performing stuff that that all happened outside of class so I did loads of plays I I directed plays I wrote plays acted in plays and it was it was the mo it's the most awesome undergrad I think to, well I've only had I've only tried one so I can't <laughs> it, was, it was a really awesome undergrad to go to if if you just want to get to make lots of theater because there was so much happening there's so much talent so many resources and support from uh, the most amazing teachers and faculty who uh, one of them came yesterday actually to see the show and surprised me so you know to this day i feel their love and support um, and it was very special that i like that it, they they sort of ask you to try the different facets of it like acting and directing and writing and whatnot and, and at any point I kind of i kind of was curious and i wanted to really? yeah i wanted to really figure out what it is i love and and in the end acting is the thing that that grows above all the others what is it about acting over the other forms of entertainment well i love like i writing, love writing, writing too I, I i really love writing it just feels that with acting and writing you're really at the you're really at the center of of make of telling the story uh i loved directing but for theater I, I kind of felt like as a director i was kind of a facilitator i was my job was to was to get the best out of everyone who was actually up there and i'm sure theater directors would disagree and there's a lot more to it and maybe i wasn't a very good one but um i yeah i love being in the in the fire in the, in the heart of what's happening that's uh speaks to i think a a a different type of mindset because i i, I like the idea of directing because directing along uh, i was gonna say directing comes with the element of control so if you like to control the bigger picture you can be a director but it also comes with the stress of being in charge because if things go wrong it's your fault more or less you know it, it's in many ways a thankless job because you get a lot of blame and maybe not enough credit. <laughs> right. That's actually a really good point. If everything works, then it's just like, oh, look at that great lighting design. Look at that great solo over there. But yeah, if it doesn't work, it's like, well, yeah, you're right. Oh, that is, that's horrible. Okay. All right. Remind me not to go into directing. Um, producing, that's different. That's fun. Because then you can you can help directors do their thing and create great actors. So the the training though, you went to Yale, then to Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, and uh, I guess so. Now you've you've gone to school. Not only have you performed in London on the West End and on Broadway now, but you've gone to school in London and in New York or Connecticut. You know, we'll call it we'll call this the New York area. Um, so what was the difference? for you in the training that you got at Yale versus the uh, the Academy of Dramatic Art, like being out there in London, was it a different approach? I didn't get much training at Yale. Yale was an education, you know, it was, it was a chance to um, learn about the world, you know, learn all kinds of things, uh, learn about myself, try a lot in terms of theater making and, 
and get an experience of it. But when we talk about training, that's um, what I got at drama school. That was like really, really practical um, elements of craft, how to use your body, how to use your voice, how, um, how to inhabit a character, how to, you know, uh, use text, how to get out of your head and, and, you know, live fully in the present moment, how to bring all of these elements together. They were very different experiences. And, and I, um, I think it's, I think it's important and great for, for actors to know about the world, to have an education that's a little bit broader than just how to use your voice. So I, I feel really, um, I keep saying blessed and lucky that, that I had that first. And I think it set me up really well to then um, just just focus on the craft. There's a, and there's a lot of craft in The Kite Runner. It is a very touching, very heartfelt, very, uh, I was going to say intimate, if that's the right word. It's, it's, it's raw. And, and it exposes a lot of... Um, a lot about especially non-american culture that that a lot of people just kind of take don't realize that they they take their own lives for granted here in the states or other parts of the world right yeah. and for so i guess real quick before we get into the actual like deeper topic of this of the kite runner like can you summarize have you practiced are you practiced at this at summarizing the overall uh family story about that is the heart of the show Oh, um, you want me to say what the show is about? Yes, more. That's a better way of okay. putting it. <laughs> well, it's it's about um, two best friends. Uh, one is very rich and well off, um, has a wealthy businessman dad. The other is his servant. He um, so wealthy dad and wealthy kid have. Um, servant dad, servant kid who live with them, you know, in their estate and take care of everything. But these two kids, the servant and the rich kid grow up together. They're best friends. Something really, really bad happens where the wealthy kid ends up betraying the servant kid and spends his whole life um, with guilt about that, that decision and that moment of his life. And in the uh, after going to America, becoming really um, successful as a writer, getting married, um, having a great life, basically. He's called back to Afghanistan to um, do something which will redeem him, redeem himself for the, for the wrong that he committed when he was 12 years old. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That's a very, it's a good summary. You left out. Yeah, you left out the really uh, the 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 surprise twists for anyone who hasn't read the book or or seen the well, show. Well, yeah, yet, I don't, which is I don't which is good, which is good. Yeah, too many spoilers. So, yeah, you don't want to give away spoilers. Most people, know. So, Most it, people come to the show having read the book. So, but you don't have. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Point. You can. It's a it's a good experience, I think, if you haven't. Oh, it totally is, and in the way the way though that 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 uh, it translated from the book to stage, it, it doesn't leave anything out yeah. as far as i can tell like the whole story is there yeah it's very faithful to the book so yeah the whole story is there and the way um like salar uh the the tabla player and like you and the rest of the cast are using the instruments the handheld noise mach- noise makers no yeah. uh instruments on stage right like the whole thing is like watching um a movie because we've got underscoring the entire time. It's not a musical. There's no singing, but there's music and rhythm. And, uh, you know, you're, whether we realize it or not, after, you know, three minutes in the, the music just becomes part of the story along with the the things that make the wind noise and everything. I think what Solar does especially is amazing. It's so, so much the, um, the emotional, uh, core of, of what we're doing without it. I don't think, yeah, it would be nearly as impactful. Music is just so powerful. Oh, absolutely. So when did you first then really uh, start getting connected with the process of of being involved with this production of The Kite Runner? Well, I found out that I was going to be doing it at the very beginning of March, but we weren't starting rehearsals until uh, beginning of June. So that gave me about, what is that, three months to prepare on my own. And I knew I was going to have to use that time because rehearsal period was very short. It was only three weeks in the rehearsal room, one week of tech, a couple weeks of previews. But um, with this kind of story, and, and especially, like I, I mentioned before, in uh, entering and, and inhabiting a, a culture which is different from my own, um, I knew I was going to need all the, all the time I could get. So it started for me in, I guess, I guess in February when we were auditioning, that's when it really started. Um, that's when I started investigating the story and rereading the book and everything. But then, um, yeah, the, the research and prep in earnest began in March. Well, how, how did the audition come around? Because you said you auditioned in February, this 2022, and uh, the production was already in uh was on the west end doing doing well out there and like damien sandis the associate associate director came over with the production and helped stand it up here in on broadway and whatnot so i guess at what point um 
did you find out that you were going, did you know you were going in specifically for um, one role or the other, or was it just kind of coming in and doing, doing your monologue and they'll place you where they like you? Um, so the, the production was in the West End a few years ago. It was actually, uh, it was actually on the West End while, while I was still in drama school. Um, and uh, I had heard about it. I had good friends who were in it. Um, so I knew, I knew a little bit about it. And when I heard it was, it was going to be in New York, um, I wrote to one of those friends who was in the show and I said, you know, I just read, I just read the breakdown for this. Do you think I, I would be good as, um, Hassan and Sorab? That seems like a really interesting role. And he said, uh, yeah, you should give it a go. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't hugely, uh, hugely, <laughs> for or against me, me trying. But I think just having someone say, yeah, give it a go, gave me uh, enough confidence to put my name forward. I went to the open call audition, the Actors Equity open call, because I'm a, I'm a member of Actors Equity. Um, and that was, that was on Zoom. Actually, the entire process was on Zoom, which worked wow. out great for me because I was in London. You know, I, I wasn't um, living in New York at the time. Uh, so I did that. Um, they asked me to tape, send in a tape for Hassan and Sorab after that initial meeting with the casting director, Laura Stanzik. Um, then there were three meetings with Giles and our director and, and the rest of the creative team that followed that. So it was like a five-step process before I finally got the offer. Um, all virtual, all on Zoom. Giles and I did meet in London after I had gotten the role, just to touch base, and I had some questions and wanted to, yeah, wanted to um, get some more information from him before we started. But um, everything, everything up until the offer was on a screen, which is very, very strange and also really lucky for me. Wow, abroad. that's so cool! I didn't realize that it was all. Uh, that you were auditioning for New York from London. Yeah, that's that's really, really neat. And uh, especially, I mean, I guess, I guess Sarab too, but I was going to say especially Hassan, like there are some just horrible things that, that happen to, to both of these children in the story. Yeah. And I guess when you are approaching this, when you're starting to study the text and build these two characters, and you have to build two characters, right? They're two distinct, different people in the same show. So you're one act or one character in act one and the other character in act two. And when you're starting to approach this, given the subject matter, like how did, how did they work with you on um, making this seem real without it going too far? And and then also the, the latter part of the question is like, how do you, how do you, Eric, separate yourself from this at the end of the night and go home and not let it affect you? Uh, that's a really big question. So in terms of making the scene real and everything, we have a brilliant fight director, Tom Shaw. He's one of the best. He's, he's done probably every other show you've seen on Broadway, if not more. Um, and, you know, we, we will, he just has a really great eye for storytelling. Um, so we made sure that, you know, that it was very clearly and tastefully told, you know, so that the audience would understand what hap what happens without, um, you know, without uh, 
going going over the top with it uh because actually in i think the power of suggestion is sometimes a lot greater than than actual visual representation leave it to your imagination it can get worse yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so um that's how we did it that's that was the approach and and everyone was really um i mean every night everyone who does that scene is really kind and respectful and we always practice it uh at fight call before we um before we open the house um in and in, in terms of dealing with the 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 heavier subject matter um i take a shower after every show uh even on a two show day even if we have a matinee i i take a shower because i i don't like to um enter the world carrying any of that um I think my training probably really uh, built up my my inner strength, my, my ability to step in and out of roles and, and separate myself. But it, it, you know, certain roles do require a little bit of extra self care, and I, I don't shower after every every play that I do. This one I do have to. So that's really interesting. So you're like washing off the the ick, the story, so you can become Eric again. It's like metaphorical and literal that you're just like, all right, yeah, just letting it all go down the drain ritual, right now. Um, to remind me to separate, you know, from all of it. And it does Is that part of the... Yeah. Was that part of the training? Like, was that something you developed on your own or did um, like part of the training that you received over life was they're like, you got to find something. You have to know that this, you need to find something that's going to help you separate and detach yourself from this character that you then flip a switch and can go back into eight times a week. Um, they, they didn't really, they didn't really put it that way. But, but what happens in training is that you, you really are pushed to extremes. You know, you, you really are made to go to some, really, really dark places and some really um, scary places within a very, very safe environment. So, you know, having to learn that on your own, on a job, I think would be really hard, but, but within the context of drama school where you have lots of support and, um, you know, the wisdom of your teachers and everything, um, I, I got to practice doing this type of thing. And I got, in practicing, I also had a chance to experiment with and figure out what works for me in terms of all the stuff I do around it to make it possible. Like something I took up in drama school, this was in our second year, we were doing Greek tragedy and it was really um, a really hard project. It was one of my hardest projects. I, I didn't have any fun. I mean, I, I really, I really hated, I really hated the process and uh hmm. I had to figure out what to do outside of all of that to, um, to, to deal with it. And what I, I took up meditation. So now I do TM, which is transcendental meditation. I was inspired by David Lynch, who's one of my favorite filmmakers who, um, who practices TM as well. And it's a really simple technique of, um, finding a little bit of quiet for yourself twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. Um, and, like that, you know, that just came, that's just something I, I reached for and, and came up and, and incorporated into like my life based on what I was being asked to do in school. And I, uh, I do it to this day. It's been, 
more than five years, I think, that every day I meditate twice a day. So, you know, things like that came out of the experience. It's not like my teacher said, you should meditate. It's just having the chance to practice and try things and, and realize what I need in, the, in those three years. Really that's, that's tough. And I've heard stories about this that are, that are similar, is that, you know, really serious drama training, acting training is essentially, can be compared to, to group therapy because you're going down some, some very dark places or, ex or exploring things that are really uncomfortable about yourself and you're doing it in a room of sometimes relative strangers, but you have to be made to feel safe and you, you can't feel judged. And I, I just think that's incredibly, incredibly hard. And, and it's a, probably a good way to weed out people who really can't take it very seriously or, or aren't comfortable going to that extra, that extra dark place. Right. Yeah. The difference between acting and therapy is like therapy is for yourself. It's to heal yourself and acting is in service of something. So you might need a lot of therapy to do acting, but they're definitely not the same. Uh, obviously, yeah, you bring yourself to the acting, so you may need a lot of support outside of it in order to, to make that possible. Huh. Do you have a favorite moment from The Kite Runner that uh, that is not when you're on stage, when there's it doesn't have to deal with Hassan or Sarab? Um I love I love the wedding. I love the dances. I don't get to watch them because I'm at that point I'm upstairs in my dressing room getting ready for my entrance as Sorab. Um, but I hear I hear the music and I hear the joy. And I have obviously I've seen it in rehearsals and in the dress. And that's one moment that I I really wish I could have been a part of because it's <laughs> you know a moment of of joy and an authentic Afghan culture and um, dancing and music and. Well, you, oh yeah, you mentioned this um, at the beginning that that um, you had to learn a lot about Afghan culture, and then you've actually the show has um, a cultural advisor. Uh, let me know if I'm saying her name right, Humaira Gil Gilzai. Yeah, she's yeah. she's awesome. She's been so helpful. Um, I play a Hazara uh, character who is Hazara, um, which is an ethnic minority in, mm -hmm. in Afghanistan. So first things that came to my mind when I got the part, I thought I have to learn the language and I have to learn about what, what who these people are and what it means to be Hazara. So um, I found um, a PhD student at SOAS, which is a university at London, um, Rabia Khan, who was doing her um, dissertation on Hazaras. And I, I went and I met with her and I asked her a bunch of questions. She was really helpful. And she actually put me in touch with about a dozen members of the Hazara community in London and in New York, actually. And I wrote to all of them. Every single one responded. Every single one met with me. I had like, wow. um, yeah, like 12 or so interviews with, with people, most of whom had very recently left Afghanistan, um, who were able to tell me about the Hazara history, culture, what it means to be in an ethnic minority and, and all of the persecution that they faced over the years in Afghanistan. Um, I mean, it's just like unbelievable what these people have gone through and, and, and unbelievable also is their resilience and their hope and their courage. And, you know, there was, there was a, basically there was a um, policy of mass extermination of Hazaras in the 1890s, which, um, set a precedent for these people being seen as 
like outsiders. They don't belong. They're not pure Afghans because Pashtuns are the are the dominant ethnic group, and um, these people are also Shia Muslim for the most part, whereas the majority are Sunni. So it's really it was really a, a racist thing um, because they look different. They have they have they're called like the Chinese people of, of Afghanistan. They have slightly um, Asian looking features. So hmm. a racist thing, which was justified by the religious thing, they were attacked on religious grounds, but, but really it was racist. And, you know, as, as recently as April, uh, Hazara school was targeted. Some like 16 high school kids were killed. So this is, this is ongoing. And, and to hear these people talk about their story, not as, not as like ancient history, but as something that they're facing every single day, you know, most of them had relatives still in the country. And that also was like a huge motivator to, to really do right by them, you know, to tell this story well and to, to learn about it, to tell it properly, to do a good job. Um, so I'm so grateful to, to all of them for their, they were so generous. I, I also, I felt a lot of parallels between my history as an Armenian and, and what these people are going through. You know, there was a, Armenian genocide in 1915, and my people have, have faced persecution at the hands of the Turks. Um, I would say it's it's more ancient history, but the re- there was a recent war with Azerbaijan, which which shows that that kind of animosity and hatred towards Armenians continues. So, um, yeah, I, I I felt a a bond with these people in terms of shared history and, and um, yeah, uh, made me really excited to, to be able to tell this story. What I really love is that it's it's just so rich. The story is so rich. It offers so much for an actor to explore. I mean, we haven't even talked about the whole exploration of what it means to be 11, you know, as, as an yeah. actor who's not 11 and inhabiting that physically. And uh, there's just there's just so much to explore and it's so cool when you get a role like that that uh, maybe i mean i guess this is slight nerd in me speaking up but really get excited when when there's a lot to dig into and explore well i think it goes to show that you love you love the work you love the craft and this is what you need to be doing because you're you're putting the time in to make it real and authentic and taking it with you, you know, learning the language, learning the food, learning all about the history. The history is probably one of the most important things that, that everyone should know about. And that's part of what the, the Kite Runner, I mean, it's a fictional story, but it's based on completely true events that are being paralleled even to today. It's really sad. Yeah. Well, on that high note, <laughs> let's let's uh, wrap up with uh, three three questions closing standard questions i ask everybody so the first one just very simply is what motivates you um i get really excited uh, there's still like a little kid in me when i when i watch something whether it's a play or a movie or i read something a story that just like completely transports me and and um yeah, takes takes me on a journey and, and teaches me something about the world and inspires me by its beauty, by its by the sheer brilliance of the, the talent behind it. Or um, I'm still awestruck by by works of art, and that's 
if if I can work towards that, if I can create, you know, meaningful experience in someone else's life, that's that's the best thing. I mean, a, a metaphor for this. I, I love I love cooking when I have an audience. You know, I love to put something in front of someone and they say, "Oh, that's so delicious! Thank you so much." I think acting is the same. You know, you can you can offer something that um, makes somebody's day better. Hmm. All right. So the next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Um, wow. Uh, a lot, but maybe most simply, if you, if you love it, if you really love it, and if you really desire it, and if you focus on those things, rather than all of the fear and anxiety and worry and practical concerns and whatever. If, if your love and your desire lead you, then everything works out. Hmm. That's beautiful. There, there's our, there's our mic drop quote right there. All right. Last question. This is super hard. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you could see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh my God. A show like a theater show. Uh, sure. First thing that comes oh to my mind. God. Uh, as many times as I want. Um, like a show, not like a play in different productions or. Well, interpret it. I let everyone interpret it how they want to. So like, what would you, what do you most desire to see over and over again, even in different carnation, incarnations? Okay. Um, oh, I'd have to pick. I mean, I can never get tired of like, Tennessee Williams. I'll say a streetcar named Desire. I could see that mm. a million times. Mm. Well, now you got to go see Cat on a Hot Tin Roof off Broadway if you if your schedules don't completely okay. conflict. But yeah, that's good. Okay, where can we find you on social media? Um, well, I'm I'm new to Instagram, but I now have Instagram. I'm on Facebook, and I um, barely on Twitter, but I I also have Twitter. That works well. Twitter. Who knows what's going to happen with Elon buying it or not buying it? Who knows? Um, you can get more of me and more episodes like this at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I'll say I'm on TikTok. <laughs> Please leave a rating and a review wherever you are listening. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Eric Sarakian, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. I've had such a good chat. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.